0: Hi, everybody. I'm Gene. I'm an alcoholic. It's beautiful to be back in Riverton. It's beautiful to be alive and sober. And it's beautiful to see all my old friends. <clears throat> my story is really not unique. In fact, it's not unique at all because I know a lot of you have been there. In fact, most of you have been there. But I just traveled a little different path than some of you in my addiction. You see, because I'm also a criminal, I'm at this time serving the remainder of a six to ten year sentence for burglary out of Gillette, Wyoming. But today I'm on my way out. And I'm not on my way back in. My drinking career started just like a lot of you when I was a real young boy. I grew up in Denver and New York, mainly in Denver. And I went through a few stepfathers. I was mainly raised by my grandmother. And I was exposed to the entertainment world. My first stepfather played all the percussion instruments in a Latin orchestra and he taught me how to play some of them so I was exposed as a pretty young boy to a lot of alcohol and a lot of other drugs and I think I was exposed at a at a real early age to all the character defects that go along with it because I still have those too fortunately through the grace of God and the help of you beautiful people have been bringing me the message for the last four and a half years. I'm able today to work on some of these character defects when I choose not to stay stubborn. I started out running with the wrong crowd who today I look back and I I don't say that they were really the wrong crowd because I wouldn't be here today had I not went through what I had to go through to get here. I would have not been able to meet all you beautiful people. I would have not been able to sometime and somehow learn in my own miserable way to be a beautiful person myself someday. But I I remember as a young boy that it was a very exciting thing for me to see and feel. People out there on the dance floor dancing and my stepfather playing the drums and all the other percussion instruments with that real beautiful Latin beat. It seemed to do something to me. It seemed to do something to my feelings, to the rhythm of my life. But it guided me the wrong way. But today I can honestly say that it didn't guide me. I guided myself. I made my own choices. I made the choice to start drinking with the rest of the young kids in the neighborhood. Because I wanted what they wanted. See, my father was Italian. My mother was Spanish. And I lived in 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 a neighborhood where there was a lot of racial tension at that time. The whites hated the Chicanos, the Chicanos hated the Italians, the Italians hated Chicanos and the whites, and everybody hated me. It seemed like. It seemed like I just didn't fit in with anybody because of that. One day I'd run home from school from the Chicanos and the next day I'd run home from the Italians. So when I seen other kids enjoying their self with alcohol and other drugs, I guess I made my choice to fit in with them because I didn't know that what they were really doing was escaping. In their own way, I think they were trying to escape out of the misery of the ghetto themselves. But it really seemed like they were having a lot of fun. And I was very deluded at a very young age because the fun that I think they were, thought they were having was a lot of rebelliousness everything about them was striking out against the whole world everything about them was saying i don't want to live the way society lives so i'm going to choose to live this way and this is the way i chose to live So if there's anything that you hear me say that you don't like, then you don't have to do it. But if there's anything that you hear me say that you do like, I pray that you'll take and use that. I got involved in crime at a very young age because I started using alcohol and graduated to all the other harder narcotics. The other drugs of choice, I should say, because alcohol is a pretty hard drug itself. My drug of choice didn't change to alcohol until I went through the addiction of heroin and morphine and got myself locked up in all the other young boy institutions in Colorado. I experienced an awful lot of physical beatings. And I tried to give other people a lot of physical beatings. I got into pulling burglaries. I got into pulling armed robbery. I got into fighting with other people on the other side of town. I got into racialism too. But somehow I didn't feel that I really fit there. I didn't feel that I really fit with a bunch of racial people. I felt that I fitted with the criminals and the people that were living in the fast lane, so to speak, and going nowhere because I didn't go anywhere. I wasn't really heading anywhere. I've lived an awful lot of years being deluded, like I say, because I was honestly so deluded at one time that I honestly felt that when President Kennedy was in office, that God had this destiny picked for President Kennedy to be President Kennedy, and he had the destiny for Gino to be some type of crime lord. I honestly felt that this was my destiny, that this was my purpose in life, to be that. And the alcohol and the drugs intensified this, along with all the other character defects. All the anger, the resentments, the self-pity, the hate, the procrastination, and not too much love. There's not too much love that came out of my heart for anybody, unless that they could fit in with me, unless they thought the way that I thought, unless they would let me run the crowd. And I had to put up with a lot of physical abuse to try and maintain that certain type of egotistical, macho status in a fairly rough neighborhood. I lived across the street from this real big, beautiful park in Denver, but it was still the ghetto. Because in the nighttime, that park seemed to come alive in the dark it seemed to come alive with people like me. And the people who were scared to live in the neighborhood couldn't come through that park for fear of people like me. Because in that park, we would sit there and drink, and they'd be having a softball game going, we'd disrupt the softball games we would go disrupt any type of honest social function that society was trying to have for the other children around the neighborhood so that maybe they wouldn't grow up the wrong way. But alcohol gave me a sense of power. It gave me this numbness that I didn't have to feel, that I could stand up and feel real strong, that I could stand up and feel that nothing could topple me nothing could crumble my mountain and I gained a lot of attention in the neighborhood that I lived in but it seemed like the only time that I gained this attention is if I had a drink or several drinks rather or some other type of drug in me so that I had enough false courage to walk up to somebody and tell them Let's go do something wrong. Let's go steal something. Or let's go beat somebody up. Or let's go take some old lady's welfare check away from her. Or let's go knock a bag of groceries out of somebody's hand. And you grab her purse and I'll take the groceries. There was times when I would look back and see some humor in that. But today I do not look back and see any humor in that. Because for the last four and a half years, I have been through some pretty intensified treatment. And along with that treatment, I've had some of you people take time out of your own life to bring your program up to Rollins or wherever I was at Allow me to come to meetings here in Riverton when I came to the honor farm and keep bringing me the message but keep bringing a person like me such a beautiful message I can't find a word beautiful enough or meaningful enough in my menial vocabulary to say how grateful I am to see the guys from the honor farm some of the guys that I really watched go through some pain and watched me go through some pain and I watched some of them start growing and they watched me start growing you know my heart goes out to Bob H to see what he's doing today To see that with his program, he's helping people like me. But anyway, to get back to my own personal addiction, I started doing time at a real young age. I ran away from home. In fact, the first time I ran away from home, I was so young that I can't even remember it. They had to tell me about it. So I guess I was just born rebellious. And sometimes it's still fun. (laughs) As long as I don't get carried away with it or do something real stupid with it. I stole a car. No, it was a pickup truck with six other young kids in Denver, Colorado. And we wanted to go to Los Angeles, California in the middle of the winter. And we were all drinking wine. I was 11 or 12 years old. And instead of taking the old Route 66 out of Denver into New Mexico and that way, we headed straight through the mountains of Colorado and into Utah in the middle of the winter. Six kids in the cab of a stolen pickup truck in the middle of the winter on the icy roads in the Rockies. And when I look back on it now, my higher power was with me then. Because about 4 o'clock in the morning, we were going around a curve. I think the oldest one was 14 years old. And we were all helping him drive. And he hit a patch of ice, and we went off of a cliff. But my higher power had enough snow there that it packed against the truck and held the truck just like this on the side of that cliff. And we didn't go down. But we couldn't open the doors of the pickup because the snow was packed all around it. And we had a bunch of stolen blueberry pies and candy. And I don't know what else we had because we had broke into a filling station in Dillon, Colorado and took all the money from the March of Dimes and they had some blueberry pies. I remember because I started a pie fight in that truck on the side of a cliff way up in the mountains with nobody around anyway this, this oriental farmer somehow was coming along there and apparently he seen the, the tire marks heading off of the road and my, my higher power told him to stop that truck and look over and he seen, and he seen our truck there Well, I guess he drove it back into Dillon and called a tow truck or something, and the highway patrol, and they came and took us all out of the truck. And I thought that when my parents got clear from Denver, Colorado, to Dillon, which was only a simple 77 miles, but at that time it seemed to be longer, I wondered what they were so goddamn excited about. I wondered why in the world... Did you people come all the way over here when I ran away from you and you came over here just because of something so minor? So now you can see how deluded I really was at such a young age. That I had never really taken a serious look at my life and where I was really heading. As it turned out, I was sent to the Colorado State Industrial School for Boys in Golden, Colorado, and that's where I really started learning about crime. I say that's where I really started learning. And at that time, there was a lot of parents bringing kids pot, and I worked in the dairy, and the men who ran the dairy would bring us liquor, and we could hide it in the in the horse oats in the horse barn. And I learned how to make hooch at a very young age. So I learned how to do all the bad things at a real young age. Because this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted to be. I wanted to be this type of person that struck out against society with everything about me that said, I am not going To go your way. I am not going to live the way you live. I am not going to live according to your rules. I'm not going to live according to your values. I'm not going to live according to your morals. So in order to do that, and in order to keep that image up, in order for that to show in my actions, I had to keep drinking more. And I had to keep using more drugs. And I had to keep picking more dangerous people to run with. And I had to keep choosing the more dangerous actions to go through, to do. As it turned out, when I got to the Colorado State Industrial School, I was the smallest boy there. Excuse me. And being the smallest boy there, I had to fight just for my manhood because I didn't want to be a girl. And they wanted me to be a girl. I had to fight for that physically. And I took a lot of beatings, but I learned how to fight fairly well. Fairly well. So I developed some type of a negative, macho image at a real young age. Because this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted. I wanted to be number one in the ghetto. I wanted to be number one with any crowd that I chose to, ran, to run with. I wanted to be the one to buy the ladies all the drinks when I was growing up, getting a little older. And I wanted to be the one to take the money from all the guys to do it with but somehow they didn't put up with it either so I started graduating into a higher element of of the criminal world along with my addiction this is what my addiction did to me people this is what it did to Gino and this is what it did to a lot of the beautiful people that I've met since I've been locked up And these are some of the beautiful people that I'm here in some small way today to represent too. Because these are some of the beautiful people that still need for you folks to keep bringing them the message. No matter what penitentiary you have to go into in this country, please go there. And don't give up. Don't give up on people like me. Because sometimes we're not going to listen to you But if you keep coming back, someday we're going to keep coming back. Because there's some of us here today. There has been some of us here for the last few days. And I'm very happy to say that today. That there has been some of us here amongst you for the last few days. For the last four and a half years. I have seen more men out of the Wyoming penal system come into Alcoholics Anonymous and get involved in the program because some of these beautiful men are the ones that used to come to me and tell me, hey, asshole, you're heading back the wrong way. It's because you people brought us the message and you keep bringing us the message. Wayne and Maxine, Chuck, Bob H. Shirley John and his beautiful Alamon wife Malba from Gillette and my beautiful friend Pat E from Gillette the people who watched me fall on my face several times when I lived in Gillette, Wyoming Benny who watched me and now I'm beginning to understand when some of you used to tell me, Gino, thank you for being here for me. But I'm tired of doing your research. You see, the reason that I'm tired of being doing your research is because for the, about the last three years of my being locked up, because you people came and helped me open my eyes and my ears and shut my mouth sometime, I have been letting other people do my research. I have been watching some very beautiful friends of mine get out of prison, and I have been following up on them. And eight out of ten of them, and I mean this literally, eight out of ten of them that I have watched leave The last three years, especially from the Honor Farm, are already back in our penal system or a penal system in another state as a result of an alcohol or drug related crime. I have watched this with my own eyes. Some of my friends have watched this. So today I'm very fortunate and I'm very blessed because you people kept bringing me the message that I could finally start opening my brain a little bit and start letting someone else do my research for me. At the present time, I'm serving the remainder of my sentence at the work release program in Rock Springs, Wyoming. And there's an awful lot of young boys coming through there that have not had to go through prison yet that the judicial system is sending straight out of the courts to these community alternative centers and they're not getting the full value and facing the facts of what they have really done wrong. Because 8 out of 10 of these young boys are there for an alcohol or drug-related crime also. And they're doing my research. Because today I'm doing it for Gino. I'm doing it for me. I'm not doing it to get out. I'm doing it so that I can stay out when I do get out. So that when I see you people, that I can walk into your meeting and not worry about hearing a siren when a fire engine goes by. You know, a real humorous thing went through my mind this morning when my beautiful friends, Terry and Tim, from Rock Springs that brought me down here we were going to breakfast and I guess I forgot that the town was full of a lot of other functions all these other beautiful social functions the balloon race, the rodeo all these beautiful things that my sobriety sees today in society anyway we went to JB's and it was crowded we couldn't even get in the door so I told him let's walk across the street to the trailhead, well we couldn't get into that door Well, in my old sick mind, I wanted to walk back over to JB's and call a bomb scare at the trailhead so that they would clear out and we could go in and eat. But I chose not to do that. I have a lot of humor in my life today. But like I say, I still had to go through the hell of my addiction before I could crawl here. I've spent an awful lot of years in and out of institutions, young boys' institutions. This is the third prison system that I've been in, and this is only the third state that I've lived in. (laughs) So I guess my batting average is not too good when it comes to honesty, and open-mindedness, and willingness. But I am thoroughly convinced, Chuck, today, that the only thing I have to change is everything. That's all I have to change, Benny, everything but I have a bunch of beautiful people that can tell me with an open heart Gino <laughs> you damn fool look how long it took you to get this way just take it a step at a time and I'm finally learning Joe to take it a step at a time and like this beautiful al lady said about that man in the mirror I have literally been using that theory For the last two years, I've been looking in the mirror, and when I don't like what I see, I go talk to somebody, and I don't hesitate. I do not hesitate today to make an amends to somebody that I honestly feel that I have offended. And I don't just do it for Gino either, and I let that person know, I'm not doing it just for me. I'm doing it because I'm the contributing factor to the way you feel, and I want you to feel better. I don't want you to feel badly and be my emotional puppet. I don't want you to let, I don't want you to let me control you. I don't want to control nothing because I don't know nothing. Sometimes I wonder if my real name's Gino. And being that as it may, being that I don't know nothing, and being that all you beautiful people have helped me through this last four and a half years, and I've started listening, I decided that this year I'm going to start going to school. Because everything about me for the last four and a half years, and all the programming that I've done, And the beautiful fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous and the other fellowship has made me a prime candidate to get off of my butt and start learning a better way of life. But I need to train myself. And I need today, because I'm willing today, to be a rigorously honest enough person to allow other people to work with me and to help me. And it's okay. It's okay if you come and say, you stupid so-and-so, sit down and listen. It's okay if you even say it in a rude way. Because the ruder you get, then I can say, thank you for being here for me. Without having to take your inventory. I'm learning. I'm learning to separate principles before personalities. And no, I have not reached the 12th step. I have not. For the last four and a half years, I've been working on the first step. Because my life has been unmanageable. Some of you beautiful people here today seem to have somehow in your past, in your alcoholic addiction, lost a lot of wonderful things. You lost a lot, maybe a lot of material things. I have heard some of you say that you've lost, about the wives and children that you've lost. I never had all that. I had three wives and lost them. But I've never had any business. I've never had a lot of materialistic, valuable things to lose because I didn't spend my money on it in the first place I spent all of my money and all of my time all of my thinking and all of my preoccupation on my addiction and I'm not proud to say it because when I say this I think I'm the sickest one here it just makes me want to grow more Because today I have that burning desire, Maxine. I have that burning desire to be sober today. I have the burning desire to be happy, joyous, and free. And I'm getting there. I'm getting there, Benny. I've watched some of you people in this program of Alcoholics Anonymous go through illnesses and go through all of other life's challenges and not take a drink. Not take a drink. Because I asked a lot of questions. I asked a lot of questions when I was in Rollins when some of you beautiful people would come down there how's Chuck, how's Oki, how's Joe, how's so and so and they all tell me the same thing he's the way or she's the way that they're supposed to be today that they're supposed to be today and that tells me that because life hands, hands you life's problems that you're not striking back like Gino That you're not taking a drink. That you're not running from your problems. That you're deciding to use your beautiful, spiritual, gifted program to somehow manage to ride the pain out until it gets better and deal with that problem with your program. And I'm learning to do that too. I'm starting to learn to do that. But like I say... For the last four and a half years I'm conscious of the other steps But I'm still working on the first one I love you, thank you